What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Bullpen Cart Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com. It is a solo show, a baseball update. For the end of August, I go division by division, starting with my fighting fills in the NL East and going all the way around the horn. We go out west, come back in the American League, and end in the American League East. So I talk about that. I start off the show with some housekeeping updates. It's a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you all think. As always, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search The Bullpen Cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Mash that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG, Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. But enjoy the episode. Have a great weekend. And here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bullpen Cart Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. A baseball show, a solo show. Wanted to talk some baseball because it's been a couple weeks. Obviously, Matty D and I dropped our first college football podcast for the Fun V Tailgate. We did that yesterday, Wednesday night. It is now Thursday evening, and it's been a couple weeks. Did the Mike Clark MLB show right before the Field of Dreams game a couple weeks ago where we previewed it. We talked about what was going on and it's been a pretty busy couple weeks. It's been a pretty busy summer and that's where I want to start is with some quote housekeeping news and just kind of talk to you guys about all that kind of stuff because I love and pride myself on being able to do podcasts every week but if you haven't noticed we've had a couple weeks where we've gone you know double digit days between podcasts and a lot of that's been, I've been busy with work, Maddie D's been busy with work, Greg's been busy with work, with baseball shows and hockey shows when we were doing those, and those will come back pretty soon with Mark and everything as the NHL preseason starts in, you know, a few weeks, actually. But I did want to set some idea of what's coming forward and let you guys know that, because I appreciate you all listening to the show and getting your opinions and everything, and... You know, I felt like I owed some sort of explanation about this. I know I've probably talked about it before in the past, but it's been kind of a crazy summer. I know last year with baseball coverage, we were a little all over the board with the hockey playoffs still going on, with football coming back and really coming over. We actually talked about this a little bit of how there was so much stuff last year that college football didn't come out of nowhere. And Matty D and I last night trying to figure out why this seems like such a shock with week zero and everything. And that's part of why we did a show yesterday instead of just trying to do a baseball show and you really stave off football when we normally do college conference previews like we have in the past. A lot of that's just been, we've been really busy. Work's been busy for me. It's been super busy for Matt and Greg's swamped. So anytime Greg can do a podcast, it's, you know, really appreciated that he can and obviously Mike jumping in to be a guest star and a guest host and all that sort of stuff is greatly appreciated but going forward football starting what we're going to try to do and I'm putting a heavy emphasis on try given how busy we all are with work and everything but Matt and I are going to try to do a week one preview for college football next week we're going to do an NFL preview we're either going to record it alongside the college one and just release those over the course of the weeks leading into the NFL week one. Um, I'm going to San Francisco on Tuesday or on Wednesday, actually. 
So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to Oracle Park, going to a Giants game. So I'll have stuff to report back for baseball. But we're going to do that to try to have all three of those. We're going to try to have a guest picker. Again, heavy emphasis on the word try. I don't want to guarantee anything. Never really want to do that. I've certainly fallen into it of saying this is coming and then it doesn't actually come. I'm sure we all have. But in terms of me with content, I do want to put more of a we're going to try and not you're going to get a guarantee, the Mark Messier. But we're also going to baseball and all that good stuff. I'll definitely report back post-Labor Day of everything here. So next week, keep, be on the lookout for that if you're a football fan of what podcasts are coming, college, NFL, all that good stuff. Baseball, we won't have a show next week. So another two-week hiatus until after Labor Day when I can report on my trip and checking out Oracle Park. I'm not just going to San Francisco to go to a baseball game. I'm visiting some friends from college, but we want to check it out. We're all baseball fans, and one of the better parks that you've seen a million times on TV and in video games finally get a chance to see it in person, and I'm very excited about it. But let's jump into baseball, and the plan for this podcast, as it was in the last one that I did with Mike Clark, is to go division by division, just kind of talking about what's going on, especially in the last couple weeks, and we've had you know, basically 10 games, more than that for some teams. The Phillies have played 12. And we're going to start with the NL East. And we'll start with the Phillies, who, since doing the show with Mike Clark, the Phillies were losing that second game against the Dodgers. They end up losing that. Win the third game, they don't get swept. Lose two out of three to the Reds. And then last week, they go to Arizona and get swept by the Diamondbacks, who come to town tonight, Thursday night. And the Phillies are looking for revenge, and we'll have to see what happens and before I jump into that series, got to talk about the Padres. One of the more exciting road series from the Phillies since that sweep in Washington. Because the Phillies won two out of three games, and I know I'm kind of yada yadaing it. They won a close game on Friday. They should have won Saturday. Aaron Nola had a perfect game going for a while, had a no-no going for a little bit longer. And almost got the complete game shut out, but blew, blew the game. And Phillies end up losing an extra innings in a very, very very frustrating fashion, but they pull it out on Sunday. So they win the series. Then they end up getting two games swept by the red, the Rays, not the Reds. They already lost to the Reds to the Rays. And meanwhile, another AL East team was in it in NL East park. The Yankees were in Atlanta and the Yankees end up really giving the Braves the business um, in giving them a, a little, two-game sweep, the Yankees on an absolute tear, which we can jump into when we get to the AL East. Braves with the rare two days off. So the Phillies have an opportunity to gain another game back on the Atlanta Braves. They're now a full five games back because of this you know, losing on Wednesday night when the Braves had off the rare two days off. I know I just said that, but it's still shocking to see on a schedule. They could take one back here, looking for revenge against an, an Arizona Diamondbacks team that has fought decently well. Um, they played the Phillies really well, but the Phillies also played like absolute garbage and weren't really giving any of their pitching support. In fact, since that podcast that we did with Mike, really since the Mets sweep, the Phillies have played, I mentioned it, they played 14 games. And they've only scored more than three runs on four occasions. A loss Sunday, August 15th, against the Reds. 
a win Friday, August 20th in San Diego, win Sunday, August 22nd in San Diego, and a loss last night, Wednesday night, August 25th, at home against the Tampa Bay Rays. Other than that, there's a couple three-run games, and a lot of the times they're scoring two and one run. The Phil's offense, we've said this earlier in the year, or I've said it, that when it's not going, and it's been the same theme the last couple of years, it is anemic to watch. And when it's going, it's fun. It was fun through the winning streak, seeing all of that go to start off the month of August. And then it's just been ice cold. It has been dormant. We've seen some good pitching. I mentioned the Aaron Nola game. Zach Wheeler in Arizona was okay. It was not his greatest start, but the Phillies offense could have taken advantage. They were looking to not get swept and they screwed it up. But Zach Wheeler becoming the first pitcher in baseball to get 200 strikes. So there's something for him there. And hopefully getting recognized, especially with Jacob DeGrom out, hopefully getting the Cy Young should definitely be a finalist. Although there's some, there's some pretty good pitching going on throughout the National League. But I would think he's a finalist. First to 200 strikeouts. Basically carrying this team and putting up some pretty incredible numbers while doing it. That complete game shutout against the Mets. Masterful stuff watching him go. But now we have to see. Zach Eflin was supposed to come off the IL. He was supposed to start Thursday night. And he got scratched a couple hours before the first pitch. Right as he was getting done with work. See that and see that Reese Hoskins went back on the IL. And the Phillies with Reese, with Bryce, with JT have a really good record. It's something they're on pace to win over 100 games or something. And it's not a ton of games of when they're all in the lineup because they've all been hurt. So it's kind of a small sample size. So you're really stretching there. They're not a 100-win baseball team by any stretch of the imagination with everybody in the lineup. See anemic offense when they're not it. It's bad. But Reese has been a total breath of fresh air. And again, we've said all this stuff throughout the year. And it's just frustrating that now he's having season-ending surgery to try to fix this groin that's bothered him the whole year. And it's unfortunate to see. But he's still, you know, even with being hurt and having to take games on and off with him in and out of the lineup. He still hit home runs. He had two home runs in his first game back. And it's awesome to see how well he can do you know, when he's healthy. And the fact that he's figured it out after a couple, I don't want to say dark years, but a couple down years. So where do the Phillies go from here? They have one of the easiest schedules, if not the easiest in baseball through the month of September. They're five games back, so they need to really get to work. Um, they're playing one of the worst teams in baseball for four games, which a week ago, you would have thought they're playing seven of 11 games against the Diamondbacks. They should win five of those. They should go five and two at the very least. And then they get fucking swept in, in Arizona. The Phillies, really bad road team. They go on this long road trip after this four game series. They go to Washington again. They go to Miami Never play well in Miami. Then they go to Milwaukee. The Brewers just on an absolute tear. Where if their offense isn't figuring it out with how good the Brewers pitching has been, I mean, kiss it goodbye. But then the Rockies come to town. Then the Cubs. They play the Orioles. They play the Pirates again for a four-game series. Pirates who Phillies lost to a 3-2. It's just nuts of how bad the Phillies are on the road against bad teams. And then they play the Braves to kick off the final week of the season. Uh, and then they go back to Miami. They finish the season on the road, and they're so bad on the road. It's just insane to think about. But just looking at this, and I'm going to transition to the Braves, and I know I'm saying we're going division by division, but 
I don't want to shit on the Mets anymore and all the different stuff they've been going through. They just play the Giants. Giants beat the shit out of them. Uh, same with the, the Nationals and the Marlins. You know, they're having good seasons, but really trying to keep this quick on a solo pod. You guys are listening to me ramble on. You don't need to hear me talk about random shit there um, and, and different stuff that players are doing. But to compare the Phillies and the Braves, then we'll jump into the Braves and their incredible streak before they got two games swept by the Yankees. The Phillies, right in the middle of baseball, they're back to 500. Interestingly enough, despite the fact that they are 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games, in their last 20 games, they are 10-10. and 10. And in their last 30 games, they're 15 and 15. If you remember the hovering around 500 towards the end of July, they're back to that trend. And it's funny that even the last 20 reflects that because that includes that includes part of your eight game winning streak. And it's just insane to think about of how mediocre the Phillies are. But to kind of put an emphasis on this, the Phillies are 36 and 27 at home. And they're the exact opposite on the road, 27 and 36. The Braves, to talk about them for a second, 31 and 31 at home, but 37 and 27 on the road. Good road baseball is probably going to do you really well, especially when you're going to be probably the away team for that middle 2-3 NLDS series. It's pretty good. The other thing to think about that could go against this, Braves record above 500 is 26 and 32. The team is 10 games above 500. So there's six games under 500 against teams above 500. Think about that for a second. But they're 42 and 26 against teams that are under 500. They're killing the bad teams. And that's the key. You need to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. The Phillies on the other side of that coin are 30 and 28 against teams under 500. And they are 33 and 35 against teams above 500, meaning that they've played more teams that are above 500 than the Braves have. I think a lot of that has to do with the Phillies were under 500 when they played them. All the NL East teams were under 500 when they played them. Um, whereas the Phillies have had to play the Dodgers. They've had to play. They've, they've had all these different stuff games where teams were above 500 and were playing really well. And the Phillies just happened to, to fall into that. It's not really a thing. The point I'm trying to make is the Braves are beating up the teams they're supposed to, and that's why their team record is so good. And they've been one of the best teams post-All-Star break. They figured out their identity when Ronald Acuna went down. They're 21-9 and in their last 30 games. And just looking at them and what their team has done, sweeping the Cardinals on the road, taking 2-3 or three from the Nationals. This is all while the Phillies had their eight-game winning streak, and they were just ready in the waiting to take the Phillies apart. And right before the Phillies ill-fated series against the Reds, the Reds were in Atlanta, lost to a three. Then they go on this absolute tear, sweeping the, the Nationals, sweeping the Marlins, sweeping the Orioles, who are just a complete dumpster fire. Finally, now they've won two in a row, the Orioles. I know I'm jumping over to the other side of the horn that I'm finishing out with the AL East. But then they lose two to the Yankees at home. Yankees also playing really fucking well. There's the whole thing with the cat game, which we can jump into when we get to the AL East. But now they play the the Giants. Then they go out to LA to play the Dodgers. This is where some of that above 500 talk comes into play. But then after that, they go to Colorado, which will actually be kind of fun to see how well they do out there. But then they play the Nationals. They play the Marlins. They play Colorado all at home. They have to go to San Francisco and they have to still go to San Diego with a trip to Arizona in the middle of there. But that 
homestand for nine games in the middle of September could be it. The way the Phillies are playing right now, they're not healthy. Their offense is so ice cold. And Atlanta, like the Yankees really stymied them and slowed them down. But them, it, it, the next week is going to be a real telltale sign of what they can do against two of the best teams in baseball, the two teams with the best records, the Giants and the Dodgers. And then seeing how they do, you know, see how they kind of bounce back from that. But if they can get away with that unscathed and still have this similar, if not larger lead to their division lead. Um, I know that just sounded redundant, but they could really by September 16th, when they finish up this nine game homestand before going back out West kind of sucks. They have to go out West twice in the span of four weeks. That really sucks. But regardless, by September 16th, this division could be completely over. And we're, you know, the Phillies, once again, going to the offseason. It'll be a full 10 years since they last made the postseason and all this sort of stuff. It's just a bummer to think about of everything where the Phillies went to to go to the bottoms. And I know I'm going to jump over to Atlanta in a second. But to think about that, spending the money to get Bryce Harper, to get JT, to get Zach Wheeler, and you're not making it close. It looked like meaningful baseball was finally back post August 1st. And the memes have been going around about citizens bank park of this in this series against the rays that no one's up in the outfield comparatively to that Mets series. And I know Mets fans always come down. So I feel like that might've been a red herring to us, but it felt like there was a lot of Phillies fans there. The, they all left because you got swept by the fucking diamondbacks. So figure it out make this meaningful again and let's make September fun. But, and now I'm going to talk about the Braves more. They've been awesome and you can't really fault them at all. Dansby Swanson's been fucking tearing it up. Freddie Freeman had like the ultimate, like I took that personally, just going all over the board and having a great second half with all the Bryce Harper MVP talk. Their pitching has been outstanding and, I, you know, you got to give it to them. I said it when Greg and I talked about it a couple weeks ago of the they are the boogeyman. Charlie Morton, incredible year out of him. He's had an incredible second half. Um, I don't know. They're just, they're fun to watch. I know they're, they got stymied completely by the Yankees, but it's going to be really interesting to see where they go and how they rebound from, from that and where they go when they have to start playing these NL West teams that are, you know, pretty fucking good. But let's keep it moving. The NL Central, we see the Milwaukee Brewers still with an eight and a half game lead. We'll talk about them quick. I know it's it's unfortunate to just kind of yada yada over them, but you know they're they're going to win this division if they lose it and they end up in a wild card spot because we're going to talk about that in a second. It would be an epic collapse for the division. But they just are picking apart their division outside of, or actually including the Cincinnati Reds. They won two of three. They just they just lost to the Reds. The Reds won to not get swept in Milwaukee. But they're taking care of business. They haven't lost a series. No, they lost to the Giants. But they've won all series but one in August. I mean, really, despite getting blown out by the Pirates a couple weeks ago, they are just on a complete tear and 
their pitching's been awesome. Their offense has really started getting it going. And I don't know if you're a Brewers fan that I feel like you kind of saw this coming that your offense was, you know, somewhat stagnant and, you know, needed to get a little bit of a boost. But you're, I guess if you're, if you are a Brewers fan offensively, you expected this, but you're still, I, I guess you're, you're playing a really bad division, I guess is what it comes down to. You expected it to get better, but your batting average is still 25th. And, you know, verbal meme of seeing my face, it looks like the David Wallace, you know, kind of stare, the scowl of seeing it. They're in the middle of the road. You're almost top 10 runs scored, but their pitching has been unreal. And that we've talked about it before, just how good they've been and where, you know, where they've been and what they've been doing with starting pitching. Brandon Woodruff's been awesome. Corbin Burns has been great. Freddie Peralta, all three of them under under 3.0 ERAs. Cannot say enough positive things about them. So I'm going to jump over to the Cardinals and talk, or the, I'm so used to the Cardinals being good. I just called the Cincinnati Reds, the Cardinals, the Cincinnati Reds who mentioned it have had kind of an interesting month of August where they had this stretch where they lose two of three to the Braves. They come to Philly, take two of three there. Then they lose two of three to the Cubs, and they just lost two of three to the Brewers. But sandwiched in there was a sweep of the Miami Marlins. So again, beating teams you're supposed to. They're going to be in Miami this weekend. And most interestingly enough, the Cincinnati Reds, partly because of the Philadelphia Phillies taking two of three from the Dodgers, the Cincinnati Reds are a game and a half up on the San Diego Padres in for the second wild card spot. I don't think they're going to have a shot at running for the first one. Again, would be an all-time clax at the Dodgers or the Giants, frankly, with how close the Dodgers are to catching the Giants. And we can talk about that in a few minutes. That'd be an all-time collapse. The Reds, though, are getting it done with one of the best offenses in the National League. Really, the it's the Dodgers and then them in terms of runs scored. And then over in the American League, it's Tampa Bay, Houston, and uh, Boston's right there. But the Reds, they're, it's kind of the reverse of the Brewers. Their offense is just so fucking good. They're hitting home runs left and right. They have Joey Votto. They have Jesse Winker, Nick Castellanos just mashing the ball. Castellanos still batting above 320. Winker still over 300. Joey Votto's batting nearly 280. It's just a great offense, and it's so much fun to see. The pitching is suspect. Their starting staff could be better. We'll put it that way. It could be better. Um, Wade Miley's ERA is still under three post uh, complete game shutout no hitter and post sticky stuff ban. So foot in my mouth from when I was calling him out in these other solo pot I did earlier this year about the sticky stuff ban. Uh, Really... Thought I had something there, and I think I was wrong. Uh, egg on my face. But they, I mean, they strike out a lot of batters, which is pretty good. And, I don't know, they they control, I don't want to say they control the baseball well, because they all have kind of shitty opponents' batting averages. But they, they don't walk a ton? I don't know, it, when your offense is that good, you can afford to, to be where you're at. You know, Sonny Gray, a guy who for years was considered this superstar ace 
4.15 ERA. A lot of guys whips over 1.2. That's why I was freezing at the, they control the baseball well. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's when your offense is humming like the Reds is, it's, um, it's, you don't really need lights out pitching like the Brewers do, but even there, the Brewers are starting to figure it out. Now the Reds in terms of their September, and I don't should probably should have done this with the Brewers, but they play the Marlins mentioned it. Then they play the Cardinals team. I just confused them with, and then they play the Tigers. They play the Cubs. They play the Cardinals again. The Pirates. They have to play the Dodgers and the White Sox to close out the season. But they play the Pirates a bunch. They play the Nationals a bunch. They have a lot of home games. I think the fact that of all of that, the Padres got to get it going if they want any shot of actually making the postseason. A Padres team... Everybody was so excited to see and was thinking it's going to be Dodgers and Padres going for the number one seed in all of baseball. Definitely in the National League. Maybe the White Sox will go for it with the number one seed in baseball. Best record in baseball. I know I'm using improper terminology, but whatever. But the Padres, let's jump over. They've slowed down a lot. They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. They have a plus 76 run differential. They're still eight games above 500, but they are in a tailspin, and it is nuts to see because this team should be doing a lot better, and they've missed a lot of manned, manned missed games because of injury. They're by far the tops in baseball in terms of that, but even there, so, they're still a top 10 pitching staff in terms of a lot of numbers in terms of ERA, whip, opponent's batting average. They're right in the middle of the road in terms of batting average. They're below the middle, 17th in baseball and homers, which is kind of crazy to think about considering that they have a couple guys that are just completely mashing the ball, but it's very top heavy. Tatis with 35, Manny Machado with 22. Tatis with 35 despite missing a bunch of time, both at the beginning of the year with the COVID stuff and then when he was hurt. And it's, I mean, it's crazy to see. He had an absolute bomb last night as they're playing the Dodgers. And in the middle of this, uh, middle of this kind of important series, really a, an almost drive to survive type of series for them, where Tatis, they end up losing. They've lost two of three. And it's the Padres have. And it's really the worst time for it. But they play the Angels in a two game series. Then they play in Arizona, so you don't think they're totally screwed. Arizona having to go from Philly back to Phoenix to host them. Um, But this game last night where they play the Dodgers ends up being the longest game in the runner on second era, 16 innings. Tatis extended it with a two-run shot in the 13th inning, I believe it was. I had a notification on my phone that he hit the home run at 3.45 in the morning, I thought it was just a delayed notification from the Yahoo Sports app. But no, that's what it was. But let's get back to the Padres and how cold they are, because they ended up losing that game. This month of August has been a month from hell for them. They only have one or two series wins, excuse me. And it was at the start of the month, a home series win against the Arizona Diamondbacks and a home series win against the Miami Marlins. Then, just mentioned they went to Arizona, They lost three of four to the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks just chewing up 
or I guess taking a large bite, little pun there because the Diamondbacks a snake, out of teams for their playoff hopes, poisoning their playoff hopes. I believe Diamondbacks are poisonous. I'm not a uh, biologist, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Then getting swept by the Colorado Rockies in Colorado, which the Rockies have been a decent home team, so you know I guess that's okay, or I guess actually a pretty good home team. They're 43 and 22, but still they got swept. They're looking for a playoff berth, and you get swept. You can't do that. Mention it: the loss against the Phillies. They're now losing another home series against the Dodgers, regardless of how tonight's game goes. They need to take a bite out of the the Angels this weekend and then hope when they go to Arizona that they figure out something because it is insane to think about that this team that we thought on paper could be the best team in baseball, if not the best team in the National League, or if not they're hosting the NL wildcard game because the Dodgers were that good and the Dodgers are that good, just the Giants are keeping up with it. And they're... You know, if you want to say Tatis is batting 280 and he should be batting, this is the Greg Piatelli quote, he should be batting way above 300 if he's that good, which I don't think Greg thinks Tatis sucks because we literally did a podcast last year where we called it Tatis's fun. But that's the Greg quote and Eric Hosmer batting 270, Cronenworth batting 277, and to really lean into the Greg way of that his favorite Manny Machado batting 270 He'd say Manny Machado should easily be batting 300 if he really wants to be that much of a superstar, but he's a dirty player, blah, 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 blah. And there's my Greg impression as I speak really quickly. But I guess, I don't know. I, you know what, what do you want to see more out of? The fact that their pitching staff is so banged up that they aren't getting these games in? I mean, they still have pretty good pitchers in name that have, pitched most of the season joe musgrove has a 3.04 era and is eight and eight which is insane to think his whip is just above one his opponent's batting average is just above 200 and he's eight and eight i could say the blake snell thing that he's six and five he's pitched 24 games 4.5 era a whip of almost 1.5 you know that needs to be better you darvish he's been he's on the il now he'd been you know, effective, a 3.7, a whip just above one. Opponent's batting average is 216, but he's 7-7. Seven and seven. Then the Paddock, Ryan Weathers experience, that's been, eh. Denelson Lament can't stay healthy. So, where do we go? You know, this team, they're above 500. They're eight games above 500. And, you know, they're now, because they didn't look out, the, the Reds have passed them. And I don't know what the answer is to look at there. And we're going to jump to the good teams in a minute here. So don't worry. This isn't a what happened to the San Diego Padres murder mystery podcast. This is just a we thought this team is going to be really fucking good. And they're just eh. Just eh. They play the, the Astros at home, which at this point might be a fucking home. Another home series loss. They have to play the Dodgers a bunch. They have to play the Giants a bunch. I mean, at this point, and they play the Braves. The Braves come to San Diego in what could end up being one of the more crucial series for the Padres. You just have to open, if you're a Padres fan, that the Braves have closed the Phillies out and that they're just kind of literally going through the motions to stay kind of warm for the playoffs to play most likely the Brewers. Again, 
barring any epic collapses from either team. Um, five wouldn't be epic at this point, but I'm being pessimistic Phillies fans, so who the fuck knows where the Phillies are going to be at that point. But the Padres, you know, they, I mean, they play the, they play San Francisco 10 times in the final month of the season. And San Francisco isn't going anywhere. As much as everybody's thought they're going to, they're not. And unless they take eight of 10 games, and like, that's a, that's a big ask. And they're not going to, they're going to Oracle Park seven of those 10 times. They have to go to Dodger Stadium six times in September. That's just not a recipe for success. And they, I know a lot of injuries and a lot of COVID man missed games. You know, that's the, that's the reason of why this team never was, but at a certain point, you got to figure it out. Now let's talk about the Dodgers and the Giants and figure out what's up with them and, and, or not even what's up with them. Just talk about them and take pride in what those teams are doing. The Dodgers have been absolutely lights out in the last couple weeks. Nine and one in their last ten games. They are just taking they're they're taking the ball and running with it. They've figured out what they're supposed to figure out. And granted, when you're playing teams that aren't very good, again, you're beating the teams you're supposed to. You split a series with the Astros in LA. You win a series against your crosstown rivals, the Los Angeles of Angels of Anaheim, of California, of America, of which America, North America, beat the Phillies. Then you go on an absolute tear where you win nine in a row. You lose 7-2 to the Mets, but you can afford to lose 7-2 to the Mets. When you've won nine in a row, and now they've won two more against the division rival that was supposed to be the marquee games of the, of the year, and now you return home to play the the Rockies after tonight, which San Diego to LA is not very far. So you don't even have to worry about that, but you're playing the Rockies. Then you have the Braves in town. And I don't know. I mean, at this point, the Dodgers are going to make the playoffs. They're going to be probably, they could be the first seed. They could be the second seed. They don't really have that many opportunities to really stick it to the giants. They have to go, or actually their final series against the, the, Giants is literally the day after I'm going to Oracle Park. Man, we're missing out on that. Um, it's over Labor Day weekend. I'm going Thursday, and they're, ah, they're there Friday to, to Sunday. Um, but that's the, you know, it's that's the series that I think everybody wants to see in the playoffs, and that's going to be a real tone setter and could shift the power. They play the Cardinals, who Cardinals aren't really doing too much in St. Louis. I know the Cardinals are, are four games out of the wild card, and you could see... You could say whatever you want of that they could do it. They could try to make up the games on the Reds. And, and maybe they do. If I'm having hopes that the Phillies can do it when they're five games out behind the the Braves, again, not too confident, but think they could. The Cardinals could do it too. But the, the Dodgers are that good. That's kind of the point I'm getting at, is the Dodgers are that good. They're going to mow through you because they took a really good team and made the team that much better of just using the plug-and-play and the incredible pitching staff just to absurd degrees. And this is a team that has, you know, they've met, some guys have missed some time. Some guys have been hurt. They've, you know, used the plug and play to their advantage. They absolutely mash the baseball. Three guys already with 20 plus home runs. 
They have two guys with over 70 ribbies. And this is with Mookie Betts missing a lot of time because <laughs> he's been hurt. And the best player in baseball, to use Greg's quote, not in there. And they're still the best team in baseball. Tells you what they got and how good they are. And I haven't really even jumped into their pitching staff of Bueller being awesome, Urias being incredible, Kershaw's been hurt for a while, and he's gotten placed on the 60-day IL, IL, what was I saying? I don't know if that happened pre or post Mike Clark podcast, so if I said that before. But presumably whenever he comes back, we'll figure it out. Trevor Bauer, not on the team right now, and we don't know if he'll ever play again, but we don't even need to analyze it. David Price, not terrible. Um, but just figuring it out and getting games out of guys. And when you're fucking mashing the ball, like they are, you know, they're, they're, they're getting it done. That's the the best way to put it is they're getting it done. Their bullpen's awesome. They aren't really screwing it up. I don't, the, you know, the giants are really fucking, or the Dodgers are really good. And let's talk about the giants. Giants are hanging on even with the Dodgers breathing down their necks right now. Still the second best rotation in baseball, a team that's just getting it done. And again, it's about beating the teams you're supposed to beat. They are yet to lose a series in the month of August. This one I got right. They've only lost five games. Yes, I counted that correctly. Five games in the month of August. That is insane. In fucking sane. They're 21 and nine in their last 30 games. I mean, all of the really good teams in baseball have been doing that. The Yankees are 24 and six in their last 30. The Brewers, 22 and eight. It's really become like the haves and the haves nots ever since the trade deadline and really since the all-star break when trade started happening. But it's really, you know, the good teams are doing what they're supposed to do and that's beat up on the bad teams. And the Giants are doing that. They are 40 eight and 19 against teams under 500 they're 36 and 18 against the nl west which is just incredible granted the dodgers are 34 and 20 so i can't you know shit on them too much the giants have to play the nl east a little more and they will you know i think probably do pretty well against the teams in that division i think what's interesting here is the Dodgers have been so good that they technically have a negative luck factor, which for those that don't know, the Pythagorean luck factor is you take your run scored, square it, and divide it by the sum of run scored squared plus runs against squared. That gives you a percentage. You multiply that by the number of games you played, and it'll tell you your expected number of wins. The Dodgers, given their run differential, effectively run differential, should have 85 wins. They have 80 so they are, quote, five games unlucky. The Giants are three games lucky. They should have 79 wins. They should be 79 and 47 when they're 82 and, and 44. A luck factor of three. First team to guarantee that they're going to be above 500. Granted, a lot of teams are going to be. The Dodgers just need to win two games. And they could do that pretty easily. They could do that tonight against the Padres. But what the Giants are doing and what they've had going for them is just great team baseball. And I mentioned it before of, you know, Gabe Kapler doing a great job. He learned a ton from what's been going on in Philly. And he has this team of both young guys 
and vets that were a part of those World Series teams that are all buying into it and having these, I would say, renaissance for some of the older guys, but a lot of them hadn't really gone away. You think they might have because the Giants had been so bad. And Mike Ustremski coming out of the gates with 20 homers, with 50 ribbies, Brandon Crawford being incredible. But their pitching staff has just been unbelievable to see what they've been doing. And again, egg on my face of Kevin Gosman being awesome. Awesome. I thought that it, again, egg on my face of that sort of stuff. Anthony DiScalfani, pitching great. I mean, just a great team. And they're they're getting it done. And again, they're beating the teams they have to in a number of different ways. They can win close games that are low scoring because their pitching is that good. They can beat the absolute snot out of teams because their offense can go off that way. And it's just a lot of fun to see. And seeing a Giants-Brewers series that I'm going to get to see next week is going to be fun because it could very well be some sort of playoff series. Hopefully not a wild card type of scenario. That means that the Brewers really fucked up. It would probably have to be NLCS. But the Giants are good enough that they can figure that out and do well enough to get there. And it's it's not out of the realm of possibilities. The Brewers, I'd be a little more concerned about just because of how crazy their offense could be. A Brewers-Brave series is like wild card central. Just basically pick whatever the hell you want and there you go. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to see what's going to happen here. It's a four-game set against the Brew Crew. And, yeah, they I mentioned it. They play the Padres ten times. It's going to be nuts. But let's jump over AL West. We're changing leagues, coming back around the horn. Um, and we don't really have a ton to talk about because, sadly, the Oakland Athletics have cooled down a bit. They now sit five games back in the division. They were right there. They're 2-8 and eight in their last ten games. They've lost four straight. The Astros have kind of gotten it going. The Seattle Mariners have been awesome. Really fun story to talk about. Seven of their last ten games are wins. Similar to the Phillies, a negative run differential. So what they're doing is, you know, the bill the bill may come due pretty soon. So as fun as it will be to say, to say watch out for the Mariners and see where they're going, it's... I don't know, you know, they are on pace to be pretty well above 500, but their offense is just so, the Mariners, is, it's a complete iceberg. And the fact, fact of the matter is, they've played teams that aren't particularly good. They played the Rangers, they did have to play Toronto, Toronto's pretty good. Uh, But, you know, they then, they then get the doors beaten off of them by Houston, in Houston. And granted, they just two games swept the the A's, so good on them. And now they play the god awful Royals, so they'll the Mariners will be hanging on. But I, I don't know. I don't want to give them any too much. Like I don't want to sell them off too badly. But that offense, you cannot think that they're going to continue to do this. It's like the reverse Moneyball that they're eleven games above five hundred. They're last in batting average and last in on base percentage, and they're middle of the road pitching. I mean, it's great what they've been able to do, that they've been on a tear recently, but I wouldn't expect that trend to continue. Again, I don't want to shit on the Mariners that badly, but I just wouldn't expect it to continue going that way. Um, Again, great job by them, that they've been able to put this together and, 
and go completely against what all conventional wisdom would tell you after kind of a rocky start to the start of August. But um, the A's, let's talk about the A's. A's are a really fun team. We've mentioned it before. Really good pitching staff. Kind of a meddling offense that, I don't know, we're going to need to see what they do. Because it's kind of similar to the Mariners. It's the reverse of they've, you know, their pitching staff has kind of let them down. But they've played really good teams. They played the Giants, and the Giants did really well against them. But the Giants are the best team in baseball. And, you know, if you're an A's fan and you're seeing this going on, Losing three of four to the White Sox sucks, but it's the White Sox. They're really fucking good. The thing that stings is losing the two of three to Texas in Texas. You know, they the Rangers have really given up after the trade deadline, and that kind of put you into a bit of a tailspin when you thought it was really fun and really exciting. I don't know. They now put the Yankees in New York. This is going to be pretty crucial. Or no, no, no. It's in... Uh, it's in... Oakland, I saw Yes Network and went to Yankee Stadium. But the, the, I don't know, it's, I hope they hang in there and I hope they make the wild card chase a lot of fun. They're only a game and a half beyond the Red Sox, who we'll get to. But, I don't know, it's, it's, I I think they're going to be fine. I think Water will find its level there for both teams. Oakland gets closer, Seattle kind of falls off. And hopefully Toronto gets back into it. Again, we'll get to the, the AL East. But it's a bit of a dogfight, and that's at least nice. It's nice that we're sitting here on August 26th seeing that and finding an exciting wild card chase. Um, Houston Astros, again, kind of similar to the Brewers. We don't need to spend a lot of time talking about it. A team that's just absolutely filthy, doing their thing with just an awesome offense. And we'll just we'll lump in the AL Central into this too with the Chicago White Sox of just doing what they need to do, really good offense, really good pitching, exciting to watch over the last couple weeks and see what they've been doing and watch their highlights. Um, and, you know, that they can really dictate how the rest of the division goes, both in terms of the games that they have against remaining divisional opponents and in terms of just how good do they want to fucking step on the throttle and continue going. I mean, we'll have to see and, and see where they're going. The Astros... Because they, uh, they play a lot of those teams that are in the hunt, the A's and the Mariners. So they really can dictate it. White Sox, really quickly for the AL Central. Um, I mean, what what can we say? They won an awesome Field of Dreams game against the Yankees. Then they lose two of three in New York. Uh, but then they rebound. They take those three of four. I mentioned it from the A's. They lose a series to, to uh, Tampa Bay. Then they end up splitting a series in Toronto against the Blue Jays, a series that honestly could be an ALDS showdown, depending on how the uh, the rest of the season goes. But, um, and the, the Rays have really had something to say about that. But the White Sox, I mean, what else is there to really say out of, they have one, if not two, Cy Young candidates, and likely the winner in Lance Lynn, if not two, with Rendon being, or Rodon being there, although he's missed some time. So who knows if he'll end up up there, but he's been great. Obviously through a no hitter, all that good stuff. And Giolito, I mean, he statistically next to those two looks a bit of the weakling, but he has 175 strikeouts and 154 innings. So the 3.6 ERA can be a little forgiven that he's not at 220 like Lance Lynn is because he's thrown 24 more innings and has 30 more strikeouts. So 
it's okay if you're if you want to you know poo poo Giolito, um, but yeah, and then Dallas Keuchel has been they're just fun to watch seeing what they've been doing and with all of this different stuff. I guess the only thing that um, I guess is worth noting is I don't know Tony Larusa is kind of a crazy person, but. I don't know. That's not really the biggest knock in the world. We kind of knew that, um, you know, his rec, his record speaks for itself and I'm not meaning baseball record. Google it. Let's go to the AL East, wrap this thing up the AL East. So first and foremost, we mentioned it with Mike Clark, the Red Sox really have been cold in the month of August. Uh, and it's been pretty nuts to see because they were at one point had the rest best record in baseball. Haven't really played that well in August. They got swept by the Yankees. And, um, you know, they end up taking two or three from Texas. They beat teams they're supposed to. They swept Baltimore right after the aforementioned Mike Clark podcast. Um, after losing two or three to the Rays. So they're hanging in there. They're technically the second wild card right now. They're... Three games behind the Yankees since that uh, series in New York where the Yankees caught up to them. Part of that's because of just how good the Yankees have been recently. But what do the Red Sox need to do? And there's a couple answers to that. Their pitching, for one, needs to be better. It has not been great. Their offense has been pretty good. They're putting up a lot of runs, which, you know, that that's fun. That's good. Um, but, you, I don't know, you're, you're in this weird dogfight of, there's been 35 runs scored between two games in Minnesota, a team that kind of gave up. They're in dead last of their division, and their pitching staff is just incredibly bad, and you're letting up all of these runs to them. Um, I don't know. It's just their pitching needs to be better. That's the key to the Red Sox. Let's talk about the Blue Jays. They're in fourth. They're behind the Red Sox, which is kind of nuts to see because we talked about it in that Mike Clark podcast of how much fun they are and how hot that team was. And then, I don't know, the wheels fell off a little bit for them. Of They end up splitting a four-game set with the Angels, get losing a series in Seattle against Seattle, being very good at home, then losing two in Washington. What's up with that? And then losing two or three, including, and I should mention this, I should have mentioned the AL Central, including Miguel Cabrera's 500th home run. So, Congrats to Miguel Cabrera. Um, but they lose the series to the Tigers, which is nuts to think about. Mentioned that they, they split this series with the White Sox, a series that would be a lot of fun, you know, considering that if Toronto gets into the wild card and wins, they could be that team to go to Chicago. Again, depends on how everything goes. The Rays currently have the top seed in the American League. Uh, Rays, very good team. Mentioned a little bit with the Phillies of just pitching what they're able to do, but we'll jump to them in a minute. But I don't know, this team, this this Blue Jays team, one of the most exciting offenses in baseball, and not a bad pitching staff. They, you know, it, it could be better. Robbie Ray has been great for him. Hyunjin Ryu has been okay. And then it, it gets kind of roller coastery, you know, start to start for a number of different guys. So I guess that's, you know, one criticism there, but... We'll have to see when, you know, what what ends up happening with them. And, I don't know, looking down the stretch for them and seeing what they got to do, they're going to have 
a number of games in the division and a number of games against Tampa Bay. Now, one thing that they do have going for them is they get to play Baltimore. They get three games against the, the Orioles, who they've won two in a row, the Orioles have, after 19 straight. But they now, or in September, they get to play the aforementioned shittily pitching Minnesota Twins seven times. Seven fucking times. So that could be great for him. And I mentioned it's a huge dogfight in this division. The Yankees starting to put their mark on the wild card. They are the first wild card now, three games above the Red Sox, like I mentioned. They are in the middle of an incredible winning streak, winning 11 in a row. For those that didn't see, the start of the Orioles losing streak was the legendary cat game where a cat ran onto the field. Yankees end up losing the game, but since then, the Yankees went 18 and 3 and then won last night, so 19 and 3. And the Orioles were 0 and 19, 19 straight losses. Again, they've won two, so 2 and 19 since the cat game. But the Yankees have been incredible since the All-Star break. Their offense that was ice cold has been a lot better. And their pitching staff has just been incredible. And to watch what this team could do, and if Seth, if you're listening to this, hit me up so we can have a podcast where you break this down more. To see what this team could do and where they could go, especially with the Rays being as good as they've been, and part of that's that the Phillies couldn't really do anything against them. But this could turn into two different dogfights for both the AL East and the AL wildcard. And the Yankees could be right in the middle of both of them. So watching what they're doing after we were pretty critical of them not adding another starter, guys that were out there, and what little teams had to give up to get starters, you know, thinking that they could add them and and really go off it. I mean, they've really been great so far. So egg on our face right now, both Greg's and mine, of that they could have added more. I didn't think they necessarily needed to. Greg thought they really needed to, and I was kind of meh on whether or not they they should have. I thought maybe get one, but there was a bunch out there, so maybe they should have gotten more. And Greg was like, oh, no, they really need to. But obviously, Greg hates the Yankees. So what the Yankees do, I think, kind of like the Astros with the West, dictates a lot in terms of both the East chase as well as the wild card. Obviously, they're in the driver's seat right now. They would have the wild card game at Yankee Stadium. But the Rays, let's finish it off on the Rays, and we'll send you off on your way. The Tampa Bay Rays mentioned it. They two-game sweep the Phillies. And, they're you know, the Rays are going to ray. They're middle of the road in terms of batting average and on-base percentage. But when they get on base, they score runs. The second most runs in baseball and seventh most home runs. So not even totally a Ray's going to Ray. But they're getting it done. And I don't know. To think that the Rays are back in the driver's seat of the American League East and figuring it out in the second half of the season is the most Tampa Bay Rays thing to do. It is nuts to think about. It's also kind of crazy by the schedule makers that they're in Philadelphia for a two-game series. 
and then they get a day off to travel to Baltimore. Baltimore is literally two hours down 95 from here. I get it. If there's traffic in the tunnel, that could be you're stuck there for 24 hours. For those that don't know what I'm talking about at the Inner Harbor Tunnel, never drive through there because it, well, it's never actually that bad, but it, if you're claustrophobic, you'll get what I'm talking about. But the Rays, I mean, what they're doing is just great. They can't screw it up, I think is the best way to put it, of their bullpen is awesome. They figure out how to shut things down and close out games. Their starters aren't necessarily going to throw the lights out, and real, aside from Tyler Glass now. But, you know, they throw a lot of different guys out there to figure out what they're doing. And then their offense just gets it done. They're an efficient team. And they don't need to, they're not swinging the lights out. Again, their team batting average is 239, 16th in all of baseball. But they're, they're figuring it out. And they don't really need a lot of one-run games. They are beating up on the teams they're supposed to. They're beating up on their division, which is really good. They're, they've won 39 games against the East. The Yankees have won 27. They're 27 and 30. Red Sox have won 30, 34, which is you know surprising to hear of just how much I was just saying the Red Sox need to figure it out. But remember how good the Red Sox were in the first half. But the Rays, the Rays now are just in the driver's seat and can basically just Tampa Bay raise their way to winning another AL East crown, which is crazy to think about that they're in this position now after so long ago that they weren't in that position, that they had to play catch-up. And the fact that they did, it's just a testament to what the Rays do and how the Rays play baseball. And I know that it gets annoying to American League East fans. We talked about it with Mike Clark and Greg in the AL East podcast. But here they are doing the Rays thing, doing the thing. And they're four and a half up on the Yankees. It's certainly not over. Part of that is delusional me thinking the five games back Phillies have a chance. But the Yankees certainly have a better shot of coming back against the, the Rays than the Phillies do against the Braves, I think. But September baseball is awesome. I'm excited to have Greg, to have Mike, anybody else that wants to talk baseball on in September. Again, those housekeeping notes. Going to have football for you next week. Talk baseball after Labor Day. See where we're at. And we're going to try to continue to do a football and a baseball a week as we normally do through the first month of the football season and then do the playoffs as they are, they come along with how the divisions shape up and, or how the rounds shape up. Obviously the divisions determine that, but the divisional round CS round and the world series and go from there. But thank you all for listening. I know you've been listening to me ramble for an hour, so I appreciate that. Let me know what you thought of the podcast. Tweet at us, ThunderBLG for the Thunderblog. Jordo9 is mine if you want to send me a, a direct message of saying, you know, I thought you sucked, I thought you were great, whatever. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. The Bullpen Cart, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get them. Mash the subscribe button. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. And that's going to do it. Have a great weekend, everybody. And let's go, Phils!